Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fat Man Little Trail, the podcast, the podcast where everyone is invited on the trail. I, of course, am your host, Greg, the Fat Man, founder of FatManLittleTrail.com and 13Hikes.com. Make sure you check out FatManLittleTrail.com for all of your hiking needs and wants, uh, including product reviews and trail reviews and all of that good stuff. So one thing that is a little bit different, I want to get into my chewing the fat segment real quick here. The other half of my hiking website is also all about food because as a hefty hiker, you have to have a healthy relationship with food or an unhealthy relationship with food, depending on how you look at it. Um, I like to go to uh, restaurants after each hike, locally owned restaurants to help support the local communities that we are recreating in. Um, But my guest today has the perfect solution for those of you who want to bring food with you and do kind of like a picnic on a day hike. I'm talking to Marty Cowan the author of this book right here for those of you on YouTube, Table to Trail, Plant-Based Portable Recipes for Day Hikers. Marty, nice to meet you. Thanks for being on with me. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked. I am stoked as well. Um, Marty, just to get us started out, what is your background as far as like the outdoors and hiking and, and uh, cooking for that matter? Sure. Um, Great question. So my background isn't super lengthy and long. Um, I'm one of those late to the party, late bloomer kind of people. And I didn't really start hiking and um, uh, doing other things like, you know, yoga and jogging and the other things I do now really until my late 30. So uh, and I'm 52 now. So I haven't been doing it super, super long. Didn't grow up doing it. Um, So a little late to the party for that. But that's perfect because I didn't start hiking until I was in my 40s um, to actually, I guess, like right at 40, 41. Um, And I think there's a a whole generation of people that are doing it later um, and finding the outdoors and and people are, you know, moving to Colorado and and moving to Montana and Idaho and places like that because of that show Yellowstone. And they just want to live that outdoor lifestyle now. So it's great that you, you found it at least. So that's the important part. Yeah. I love it. I'm addicted. I, I live for it. It's just such a passion. And I can't believe I lasted as long as I did without that in my life. Now, now that you have hit the trails, what types of trails are you typically looking for? Are you, do you climb all the 14ers? Do you like to just go and relax when you're out there? I like to do a lot of different things because it depends on who I'm going with or if I'm going solo. It depends on, um, of course, what the climate is and it depends on how much time I have to. I love doing day hikes. I'm not a through hiker. I think the through hikers are awesome. That's a completely different community. So I kind of represent um, the newbies and kind of intermediate hikers um, that like to just get out as much as possible and they'll do anything, you know, just. Um, having trails in the proximity of maybe five miles from where you are. Um, uh, there's dream hikes too that are further away. I, d- I love to do 14ers as well, um, but I also love to do uh, the smaller hikes too. I'm not like, I'm not, you know, set on doing every 14er out there by any stretch. Um, I've done a handful of the easy ones and they've been really, really fun. Um, more out of curiosity than anything, but there's so many amazing hikes out there that have nothing to do with elevation. So I, I definitely have an open mind for that. I I agree. I'm, I love the day hiking. I, I through hikers, brilliant, more power to you. 
Um, I love beds. Like I think, especially as we started later into this game, I think it's more common for people to really enjoy coming home and uh, laying in a soft bed after a hard day on the trail. Um, I know I do for sure. My body doesn't take it anymore. I'm not 20. <laughs> Me either. I get it. I get it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I love, you know, I like camping too. Um, but you know, I'm a little bit more of like, I'd like a cot if we're going to camp. Mm-hmm. Kind of. <laughs> Absolutely. So you said you didn't start until your late thirties. So what made you change? Why did, why did the change happen? Well, it was interesting because, um, I'm a, I'm a product of the eighties, um, a child of the eighties and I was born and raised on diet Coke and, doing whatever it takes to be thin. It's just, it, you know, it was ingrained in my head, not really from my parents because they're excellent parents and wonderful people, but more from, I guess, from a society standpoint. Um, So it never, ever occurred to me to uh, eat healthy. It never occurred to me to really exercise all that much. Um, So I was on this cyclical pattern of uh, overeating um, and then feeling terrible. Uh, then I would starve myself. Then I would lose some weight. Then I would feel great. And then it was momentarily momentary that I felt great. And then, uh, I would get back right on the same pattern again, which would be to celebrate maybe with eating too much or, you know, having, uh, too much celebration and, and then just starting that pattern over and over again. So I, I guess I was around 37 or 38. Um, and at that point I, I was waking up in the morning and my hands were really stiff. So I, I could feel kind of the onset of, of maybe some arthritis coming on. Um, and I was really put, piecing together um, how food was maybe playing a role in this. Um, I have family with diabetes and other conditions um, due to lifestyle choices. And it really just kind of hit me all at once. I, I just thought to myself, I do not want to do this. And how can I, how can I, how can I make this better for myself? Um, and I knew at that point, if I made it better for myself, I could make it better for my family and friends, and I could be living a better, more healthful and happier life. Um, so that was really the epiphany. It was really like a fork in the road, just came in front of my eyes one day and I just thought I I've got to get off this roller coaster and I need to figure things out and I know the way to start is going to be with food I don't know where I'm going to go from there but I'm going to start with food and that's what I did but it wasn't only food that that made that transition it was a whole mindset you started like yoga and exercising as well right yeah absolutely um but it definitely the catalyst was food for sure uh and then then I started to um, jog a little bit. And then a friend gave me a call and said, hey, do you want to do triathlon? And I was like, what's that basically? And um, so I said, sure, I'll do it. And it, I did. And it was it was a comedy of errors, just the most ridiculous thing. And uh, but very fun and had a group of people. And from that, I discovered really the spirit of the event that I was so in love with. It wasn't even necessarily the athleticism and goals. I really wasn't interested in any of that, which is not super common, I would say. But when the, you gather before you start and they play the national anthem or they have someone come sing, um, you have this collective gathering 
of a mindset of everyone's there to support everyone. And that to me was so attractive. Like I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. So I just began jogging. And so it, like I said, it started with food um, and then just slowly, slowly built on that with, you know, little events and, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, little triathlons, things like that. And I also took to the woods around that point too um, and started really uh, enjoying the nature um, and, you know, the trees and all of the healing that came from that as well. So there was a lot. And I don't think I realized at the time uh, how much healing really needed to be done um, of when you're on a, a pattern like I was um, of self-sabotage for you know, since I was 16 years old, that's a long time. So um, that was another thing I really, I really thrived on was getting out in the woods and just, just hiking. And I was in Maryland at the time. I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado now, and we've only been here not even five years yet. So I was out on the East coast for, you know, the vast majority of my life. So I started hiking out there. I feel like, cause I, I grew up in like the Midwest in the Chicago area. And I feel like health and fitness is different by region in the country. So like when you're living out on the East coast where it snows like 14, you know, inches an hour or in Chicago where it just gets bitter cold. Um, and then you come out to Colorado and there's so many nice days that it kind of helps that mindset change. Right. Definitely. Um, I think the humidity factor is a big one too. Um, and also the sunshine factor. So out in the Midwest, my, both my parents are from Illinois, so, um, I'm actually going there next month. So, um, I, I understand that area pretty well. And I, I think sunshine factor is a big one. Humidity is also a big one because even when you um, bring in humidity with winter weather, it's bone chilling cold and it's awful. <laughs> so I came out here and I have, you know, I met some friends and like, yeah, winter is okay. And I just thought winter is fantastic <laughs> here. I love it. it I is totally the easiest winter I've ever been through was out here uh, after leaving Chicago. I totally agree. Um, and then after, so yoga came into play at that point too, a um, few years after I changed my diet in my I do wanna, in the morning. <laughs> I do want to go back to what you said about running the triathlon and you didn't really know what it was. I feel like 90% of the people that like start running marathons and triathlons somehow get tricked into it. It just, yeah. it feels that way. But then I, another thing you were talking about was how you're not worried of, you're not going to worried about setting a record. I have, I have a couple of friends that do like ultra marathons and these really long races. And they have that same mindset of like, I'm just, I might finish last, but I'm going to have the best time. Yeah. So like, you don't have to be, you don't have to win every race to still enjoy yourself when you're doing those, those long competitions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think someone said to me a long time ago, when a, um, a yoga colleague said to me, uh, we all write our own rules. And I think it's so true for everything in life, whether it's food or, or exercise or, or, or policies on ourself on what we're, what we're going to do and how much, uh, we're going to endure. And for me, like, I really feel like I have a, a very low pain threshold. <laughs> so when I'm out there, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to walk the water stations, um, and, and then get back on it. And, and, you know, maybe I'll take a break here or I'm going to stop for just a minute and um, collect myself, you know, where other people are like, I'm doing it and I'm going to finish and I'm going, you know, balls to the wall and I'm going to do, you know, the best I can. But for me, that is the best I can. Um, mm -hmm. It's 
I just don't have that wiring of competition, but it doesn't mean that I can't go out there and enjoy it. Um, just like the competitive athletes. Well, and I think that because this goes into what I talk about a lot with the hiking is I don't have to be, you know, like, I don't really like 14ers. I like 13ers because 14ers, I feel like people do 14ers just so they can say that they did the 14er and they don't really get as much out of it as somebody who's doing like a 13er just to enjoy their time out in nature. So I think there's definitely ways that you can enjoy yourself without having to be that, like you said, super athlete or, or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and I've had to, I've gone through the motions on this too, about, you know, what I'm going to post. Um, and there's a fine line between like bragging and, and being proud of yourself. So it's something to question, at least for me anyway, before I, anytime I post, I mean, back in the day, I was just posting stuff all over the place, especially in my early yoga days. I mean, if there was a Facebook post, I'm doing a yoga pose outside somewhere. And now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty horrified about it, but it was a experience for me. I'm horrified because the whole world <laughs> got to see that too, that fun learning experience for me. But um, that's just not my scene anymore. Um, I think it's great when people do that. If that's what they want to do, that's awesome. But it's just for me, I've, I feel like um, I've grown a little bit from that. And I said this on an Instagram live I did the other day. Uh, the thing with social media is the people that are really good at it are the ones that do it to make the, to tell a story about themselves. But for me, especially, I try to tell the story about my journey. So there's a hero in every story. And the, the, these people that are like doing dance trends and things like that, they're doing, making great content. They're the hero in their story. But for me, as somebody who's just trying to inspire people to get outdoors, the hero in my story is the journey that I'm taking. And, and I'm just telling it through my eyes. And, but it, you know, you could kind of replace me with, with somebody else. Don't because I really enjoy doing this. So don't replace me yet, but uh, you know, it's something that, that could be out there. So I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, when you did change your, your eating habits, did you immediately go to a plant-based um, diet or was it a lot of, of trying to figure out what was going to be best for you and your family? That's a really good question. I definitely had trial and error. I didn't wake up and was like, oh, I'm plant-based forever. Um, it starts with, with like anything else, you know, I'm inspired by something. Uh, one thing was Forks Over Knives. It's a documentary. It's, I don't know, probably about 12 years old at this point, but it's still really good. And it got me thinking about what's going on in my body when I put things in it that probably are not so great. So it's, a, it's, it was a lot about questioning um, what was happening because I really was um, desperate. And I say that word with all the purpose in the world, I was desperate um, to change how I thought about my life um, because I, I had the mindset of like, if I die tomorrow, I will not be grateful for my body and, and that's unacceptable. So I, that was what I really wanted to change. So watching documentaries like that, reading and, and doing my own research, asking my own questions, uh, which I, which I think is a, a really good thing to do for everyone. I'm not saying everyone needs to be plant-based by any stretch of the imagination. I've, I've discovered over the years that that's not my platform. I wasn't put on this earth to do that. Um, I do think it's important to ask questions, um, and journey on, what you're eating and how it's affecting you. And if you did make a change, you know, 
how is that going? And, and is, is it making you feel better? Um, you know, timing, what you're eating, what's going on in your world. Cause ultimately I just really wanted to um, find some inner happiness and the weight loss, which was my primary goal in life every day, eat, breathing and sleeping weight loss ended up just being a really minor side effect to the process. That I love the way that you just said that was that when weight loss was no longer the focus, it became kind of the result. If I, if I heard that right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think too, another great thing that you were talking about is, is people have to try to, there's so many fad diets and so many instant weight loss and instant satisfaction things in today's society that I love to hear that you, you tried different things and you tracked how it affected your body and you tracked how you felt and, and, and how it worked out. Uh, I mean, I think that's really important for people to know. Cause I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm like, Oh, no carbs. Sure. And I'll lose 20 pounds and then I'll gain 30 back, you yeah. know? And, and like, it's hard for anybody to know what's going on. Going back to social media, you have all these people touting different diets and be like, you can look like me. I'm like, well, I'm not 19. I'm not going to look like you, <laughs> you know? And I think different parts of your life and different parts of your, you know, lifestyle are going to greatly affect the things that, that a diet can do for you. But I, yeah, terrible for your, you know, for self-esteem. Like, do I actually want to look like that person? I mean, what, that's a lot of pressure and, and it's, it's, it's really unfair and unrealistic. And, and I think finding your own way of to, to that happiness and what's right for you is, is going to be different for everybody else, but we do have this constant pressure um, around us. And it just depends on how much we can evolve from that um, so that we can find our place. You know, I, I did, I did do a vegetarian diet for a while and um, cause I loved milk and I went off milk and then I went back on, you know, it's back and forth. It's not mm -hmm. instant. Um, it's definitely trial and error and sticking with, um, the ultimate, I think mission, which is to find what works for you. Currently, are you hundred percent plant, uh, plant-based in your dieting? I've been plant-based for about 13 years, um, with the exception of, um, uh, rare times where, um, I'm in a celebration, uh, place and somebody and there have cake. Um, I might eat a piece of cake. Um, I try to make it like a true celebration. The other times is when I am kind of doing research. Uh, and if I want to try something because I want to try to veganize it, basically, I want to mm -hmm. make sure and get the flavor profiles as close as I can. I never eat meat or anything derived from like, like chicken broth, like, uh, but I'll do, um, I'll, I will taste some, some things with dairy um, so I can get a flavor profile or if I'm just, you know, in the mood to celebrate and I want to have a piece of cake, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I don't know what percentage it is. I, I mean, I'd say like 98. I mean, every day I eat plant-based for, mm -hmm. for vast majority. Um, uh, but there are some moments. And like I said earlier, you know, I write my own rules and that's that those kinds of rules really seem to work well for me because, um, the dairy was definitely the culprit. There is no question about it. Cheese, ice cream, brownies, cookies, all that stuff, um, was, was a, a big addiction for me. So by cutting that out nearly entirely, 
made the biggest difference in my life. And meat was never a big deal because I just never really ate it anyway. So I didn't really care. But for other people, it might be like meat is everything. And um, and they want to keep that in their diet, but maybe they want to change it up a little bit. Like maybe I'll eat meat three days a week or whatever. You know, it, it, it's just about, you know, asking questions and um, if there's something that needs to be changed. And again, it's what you found for your body, your particular body and, and what worked for you, right? Exactly. It's, it's a very, very personal, personal, you know, experience. Now for me, um, because I, I, I do eat a lot of meat and meat eats a lot of plants. So does that make me plant-based? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk to this book. So you've been, you've been plant-based now for, you said 13 years. How long was it until you wrote uh, this book that I'm holding up for the YouTube audience, Table to Trail? Uh, I was about 10 years into my, my plant-based life. Um, so what happened was I found my love of hiking and I found my love of making plant-based food and I never really merged them until I moved out to Colorado. So once COVID hit, uh, that's when hiking and food really started to take a precedence. I mean, I always was super psyched about, you know, bringing food out on the trail, um, bringing unusual stuff um, aside from, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you have time and you can plan, um, you know, elevating that a little bit is, is just a great thing. And it just tastes so good outside. Um, but I just, uh, I just, you know, wanted to um, do something about this passion of mine that just would not quit. And once COVID hit, um, I was done teaching online, you know, zoom yoga classes. It was just, it was, you know, so that part of my world kind of ended abruptly. And I just kind of woke up one day and said, I'm writing a book. And my husband said, it's about time. <laughs> and so I, I decided I was gonna, I was gonna map out 50 trails. I was gonna, um, develop 50 recipes and, uh, take them all out and see what happens. There was a lot of trail fails, but, um, there was, really good stuff too. It was a great adventure and it was super fun. And I'm, I'm fascinated about cookbooks because like, I like to say that I'm a good cook. I'm not. Um, but I have like the five things that I like to cook. So I just cook the same thing kind of like over and over again from in the book. Is this stuff that you are like your favorite or your family's favorite, or is it something that you like went out and tried to pair, if you will, uh, the, the recipe for the trail that you were doing? Um, yeah, it all, that all depends on weather and how long is the trail, things like that. How much time, how much time do I have? Am I, am I traveling and then doing the trail? So there's, there's a lot of factors that, that definitely go into it, but everything I made in there, um, is trail worthy. And that's, what's really fun about it. Um, uh, there's just, there's, I've sectioned out the book so that there's snacks. So I'm doing a one and a half hour hike, let's just say. And um, I know I'm probably going to be hungry halfway in. So I'm going to bring, you know, whatever snack around, you know, along with me. Um, or if it's going to be longer, there's sandwiches. There's, or I think I called them one, one handed, you know, like um, there's empanadas and mm -hmm. um, shepherd's pie and um, like handheld uh, uh, kind of meal break. And then there's um, salads. And there's some interesting salads in there too that are a lot of fun to bring out on a trail. I love bringing salads on a trail. And then there's um, like one bowl meals. So that's for like, I'm super hungry and I need to like, I, I, I did a uh, Mount Beer stat. I've done that a couple of times actually, but the last time I did it, um, 
I brought a Buddha bowl up there and I'm like sprinkling cilantro and topping it with my almond Krishna dressing. People are looking at me like, what is she doing? Um, but it was great. It tasted awesome at 14,000 feet. Super fun. Oh, that's the best. I mean, everything tastes good at 14,000 feet, doesn't it? I mean, it's just like everything tastes so much better at 14,000 feet. <laughs> Look at, thumbing through the, the, the book here, I, I'm interested in, in the calzones with roasted vegetables. That mm-hmm. looks like one of my favorite ones. But a question, um, so are you, in these recipes, are you teaching people, you're cooking them beforehand as a prep? You're, you're teaching people like to make things when they're on the trail? Do you have to cook, you know, add stuff to them when you get on the trail? The only thing you have to add really is any garnishes that are, you know, pretty much optional. Everything's prepped prior. So you'll just need to, you know, look at the climate and say like, oh, I'm going to need an insulated bag for this, or actually I don't need anything for this, or maybe I'll need a little cool pack just to make sure. Um, But other than that, uh, they're ready to go. And what is, and this is going to put you on the spot right here. I'm going to like ask you to tell me which kids you love the most. What is your favorite (laughs) recipe in the book? Oh gosh. Um, if I'm going to go for the gusto, there is, it's in the, um, bowl section, um, the one, one bowl meal section. And it is, uh, it's an Egyptian recipe called koshari. It is like the vegan hamburger helper. It is delicious. It's so good. It's just so good. And it tastes even better the next day and just know, warm it up for a little bit, throw it in an insulated thermos and bring it out on the trail. Um, especially, you know, fall would be a great time for that. Even winter, you know, do a lot of winter hiking too. Um, but yeah, it's so good. It's got elbow macaroni and, um, beluga lentils, which are these little teeny black lentils, um, and brown rice and crispy onions and tomatoes and spices. It's, it's really tasty. Now you talked about a trail fail earlier. You mentioned it. Do you yeah. have any good examples? Yeah, I had this one. I, there's this grilled portobello mushroom sandwich that I love to make. It's super yummy. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to bring this out on the trail. And it was so bad. It's just not a good idea <laughs> to bring a grilled mushroom sandwich out on the trail. It was, I was, I, I, that was probably my biggest I, I think I was really hungry too and I was so disappointed I'm like I took one bite and I was like oh no it's not good <laughs> well and I I can see too like some of these recipes that, that you're trying out before you know for sure like to me a grilled portobello sandwich as soon as I tried to take a bite of it the entire thing would fall apart and it would be <laughs> all over the ground and I wouldn't even get to eat my sandwich you know so yeah. I'm sure there was a, there was a lot of that kind of trial and error stuff going on There's- yeah, there's definitely a lot of trial and error. Um, and there's just stuff that just doesn't work well on a trail. Um, so I just try to stick with with what I know works. But I think what's really important is, for me anyway, is the fails are the best part, you know? That's where you learn. That's where the growth happens. Um, so even though there's disappointment at the time, I know I know at some point I'll be like, I'm glad, I'll be glad this happened. I'll be thankful, you know, in some you know little way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like you don't actually, you never really learn anything in life until you have like adversity. So I'm sure yeah. that helped. What, what was the process like writing this book? Like just from like, like you said, you decided, you know, COVID happened, you couldn't do the, the, the yoga classes anymore. And you just decided, and you said, I'm going to write a book. Well, you know, what's next there? Like, what is that? Cause I, I I've been fascinated by authors. So what, where did that come from? Um, I, 
I just kind of went for it. It was like, it was like a sprint and I didn't really know what the end result was going to be at all. And I went as I just learned as I, as I went, it's kind of a learn as you go kind of thing. I did take an online course on, um, on writing and, and, and publishing and getting all the ins and outs of that, which was a really valuable experience for me. Um, and so I did learn a lot from that. So that was really helpful. So I did that during the process as well. And before you decided to write the book, what, were you always kind of like exploring in the kitchen, like creating the, these recipes or were oh, yeah. you? Yeah, all the time. I mean, all the time. It, it kind of stems back to the very first uh, plant-based meal I ever made. I think that that kind of spirit and joy, um, it still lives within me today, even more so in a lot of ways, like spices are just so amazing um, to experiment with. And you can, you can, go anywhere with those spices, you know, from your kitchen, which is kind of a lovely thought. I've always thought a fun little uh, app that they should make is kind of like one of those dating apps where you swipe right or left. It just pops up like recipes and you swipe right. And then now you're going to, that's what you're going to cook for the day. And it tells you what to cook and all that stuff. So maybe we can work on the app for this book uh, right after that. I love it. (laughs) Where can I get my hands? Well, I have my hands. Thank you so much for sending me a copy of the book. But where can a normal non-podcast host get their hands on Table to Trail? Oh, just head over to Amazon. Um, I do sell them locally here in Fort Collins. I have some wonderful stores. Savory Spice in Fort Collins um, has been a wonderful support. The Cupboard, REI. Um, I'm trying to think where else. I know some. I know there's other places. I'm just drawing a blank. So, um, But yeah, Amazon is definitely the easiest way to get to it. And search Table to Trail. The full title is Table to Trail Plant-Based Portable Recipes for Day Hikers, correct? Yeah, and I really and just put my name, Marty Cowan, it'll pop up even even faster. A lot of times like actual tables will pop up. So <laughs> if you want to not sort through all that, just put Marty Cowan in there and it'll pop right up. And is it available? You sent me kind of a the paperback picture book. Is there an ebook version? Is there a hardcover? Is it just the one one version? That's it. You got it. I tried to I tried to write an ebook the other day and it's it's really easy but also really confusing. I do not recommend it. <laughs> I know it was an option for me to do an ebook and I just thought I better just keep it as simple as humanly possible. So that was my thoughts behind that. Well, and one thing that's great about the book is that you're you have pictures of all the recipes, which is important on an ebook, but you also have pictures of the trails that you like ate the recipes and like tied the recipes too. Um, so you get both the hiking pictures and the, and the nature pictures, and then you also get the recipe picture. So I don't think that would work in an ebook format and the books put together really, really well. So well, well done, Marty. Thank you. Now I think we're ready for our first break, but when okay. we come back, uh, we're going to do a little bit of fun. We're going to do the always, uh, you know, challenging buffet rapid fire questions. Before we take that break, is there anything else that you want to let people know about plant-based dieting, tail, tra- the table to trail or anything else? I would say if you are thinking about hiking and thinking about eating better, um, it's, it's a great place to start is just super local, make something in your kitchen. Um, that's easy to prepare and, Uh, find that natural area or that hike that's really easy to get to and 
take your homemade meal out there, um, find some time with nature, find a rock or a log to set yourself up as a little table and enjoy it um, that time outside with yourself and see where you go from there. That is wonderful advice. And we will take a break on that. Marty, stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fat Man Little Trail, the podcast. I'm sitting here speaking with Marty Cohen, the author of Table to Trail, the plant-based portable recipes for day hikers. And I was thumbing through this during the break and I found about 12 recipes that I want to try. So I'm really excited to get that. If you're looking for the book Table to Trail, uh, check out amazon.com and search Marty Cohen, C-O-W-A-N, and you will be able to find the book. Marty, it's been fun, but now it's time to get really serious. Are you ready for the buffet, the rapid fire questions? Here we go. (laughs) I'm ready. Number one, would you rather be camping, glamping, or stay in a hotel? (laughs) Okay. Can you put me down for a semi-glamp? Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm either, I need a cot or we actually just bought a teardrop trailer last summer and that really wonderful. Um, and I don't know if I could go back to a tent from that. I, Hey, we talked about it earlier. I think that, you know, all the 20 year olds that want to stay in their tents, they are welcome to, I give me a hotel room with room service and a masseuse. I'm kidding. Don't get (laughs) mad at me, but really whatever makes you happy on the outdoors. I'm happy with that. Would you rather number two, take a road trip or fly to your destination? Okay, so if I were driving through Nebraska and Iowa, I would say fly me any day. Otherwise, I really love road trips. I I absolutely love them. I do too. Like road trips are my favorite thing. Best road trip snack. What's your best road trip snack? I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, I would say I've brought anything on a road trip from salads to soups to hummus. I'm, I'm pretty good at packing that stuff up, especially when I know I'm going to be in the middle of Nebraska where there's just a gas station and maybe like a McDonald's. So I, I, I love bringing soup because that fills me up so much. I have a lentil soup. That's my favorite. So I would say that's probably my favorite thing to bring. I think we've written your next book for you right there. Road trip <laughs> snacks. Number three, and this is kind of redundant because it's what the whole podcast was about, but what is your go-to snack on the trail? Um, a go-to snack. I have so many. Um, I love making um, uh, various like muffins or bars, things like that, fruit, nuts, salads. I just like to bring everything. I don't know. <laughs> you can't pick just one. So mine is actually, and, and this is actually a fun story. So my favorite thing to eat on the trail are these white chocolate macadamia nut cliff bars. And I just found out that Marty, you made one um, kind of inspired. I'm not going to say I inspired you, but I'm not going to say I didn't either. Right. You totally inspired me. And I just, sometimes I get these ideas in my head from random places and I I will not quit until I've done it. And I was super psyched about it. Um, I went and got the ingredients. I found a recipe online. um, That is, they, you know, it's a, it's a white chocolate macadamia and a cliff bar replica that you make at home. And whenever you can make stuff at home, that's really awesome. It's not processed at that point and, or much less processed anyway. And you can, you know, test that out. And it's always exciting to try, but the ones I made, I wish I could just teleport one to you because they're really good. I, we brought them yesterday to Arapaho basin. We did a last, last ski, um, spring ski day yesterday and everybody loved them. And I was like, I got to thank Greg for that inspirational idea. 
Well, they sound amazing. And I look forward to trying them one day. One day I'll, I'll get up to Fort Collins and I'll ring you up and say, hey, I want those, those snack bars. Yeah, for sure. You could probably freeze them too. I'm, I mean, I freeze a lot of stuff and try it. I haven't tried it with those, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you could do that. And I think Cliff Bars should, should uh, uh, support you and sponsor you, don't you think? I've been saying that for months, but <laughs> Cliff Bar is not listening. Um, the, the problem with it, you can't, you can't freeze a white chocolate macadamia nut bar because they're too delicious. They don't last long enough to go in the freezer. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, number four in the rapid fire questions. These aren't really rapid since we're, we're going on tangents, but number four, I'm going to change up on you because it's typically first thing you eat or drink after the hike. But since your book is about, you know, eating and, or all the food that you can bring to the hike, I'm going to change up this rapid fire question to what is your favorite container for bringing food on a trail with you? Uh, my favorite container is probably the Swell container. It's S apostrophe W-E-L-L. I don't know if you're familiar with their products, um, but they're really great. And they are, uh, they keep things cold. They keep things hot. And they have these bowls that I haven't seen anywhere else that are insulated. Um, and they have a container that goes within the insulated container. So you can say you want to put a salad in there. Um, and you can put the lid on it in the, in the inside container, oh. put it in the, it's ready the next morning. You throw it in the insulated part of it and throw a lid on it and put it in your day pack and head out. That sounds amazing because obviously when you're bringing your own food, you, you have to think of the packaging and that, and that's one question I forgot to ask you earlier. Um, so, so it S swell S apostrophe W E L L. Uh, yeah. I love them. I mean, they're a little bit heavy, so they wouldn't be conducive probably to really extensive and um, difficult long hikes. But if you're just doing a day hike, like I would take that up to a 14 or that wouldn't be uh, a big issue. But um, if I were doing like, you know, longer term hiking than that, then if it's longer than a day hike, I wouldn't use those. You'd have to go to your, you know, dehydrated foods. Yeah, and absolutely. Lighter. Yeah. All right. Well, the number five, you're doing great on the buffet, by the way. Number five question. This is the hardest question. If you could be anywhere in the world right now at this moment, would you rather be in the forest on a mountain or at the beach? Mountain, hands down. I like and forever. Yeah. Always a mountain. Yeah. My favorite answer to that one is, and I forgot who it was, but they cheated and they said that they would rather be at a, on a mountain lake next to the forest on the beach of a mountain lake next to a forest. So they got all three of them in one. And I was like, come on, now you're hey. just cheating. <laughs> uh, uh, Marty, it's time now for the hike of the week segment. Typically I'm the one that's going to tell you about my favorite hike of the week, but as my guest, the honor is yours. So do you have a hike that is one of your favorite hikes that you can tell the group about? Yeah, definitely. I do a lot of local hiking here in the foothills um, just because I, I do have a family. Um, so I, I can't uh, leave for too, too long. So I do explore quite a bit out here. And one of my favorite trails, and I didn't discover it until probably a year ago. And I just went on it again last week. And it's called the Soderberg Trail. And it's part of the Horsetooth Mountain open space. And it is a fantastic trail. It's probably about four and a half miles, maybe five. Um, it's got a nice little elevation gain, nothing too horrible, but will definitely get your heart pumping. It's gorgeous and it's right in my backyard. So I have to say that's my hike of the week. 
I like it. I haven't spent enough time up in Fort Collins, but uh, every time I go up north, I end up I get distracted and I end up at Rocky Mountain National Park. But I need to keep I need to keep staying straight on on 25 and end up in Fort Collins. I also want to check out the Red Feather Lakes, which are up in that general direction, which are also beautiful. Really beautiful trails. Um, it's great. We have a lot of open spaces. We have our Poudre Canyon, which has some amazing hikes. We're not very far from the Big Thompson Canyon. And if you keep heading up there, you'll you'll wind up in Estes and Rocky Mountain. Um, so for you, you'd, you'd have to be stuck passing Boulder and Rocky Mountain National Park to come up here. And that would be hard. It is a, it is a challenge, but there are also uh, some wonderful restaurants and breweries up in the Fort Collins area for people that are interested in that. So visit Fort Collins. We are now yeah. uh, trying to get sponsored by the tourism board of Fort Collins as well. <laughs> yeah. And going to a brewery after a hike is the best. It is. I, well, I can't say that because certain um, companies don't like it when you say those things, but I will oh. say that, that for those that like to partake in that, it is a wonderful pastime. Oh, it is. Marty, uh, we have come to the, the, the part of the interview that I always dread the most. I'm, I, now I get nervous. It's time to ask the fat man where you can ask me any questions, hopefully hiking related, that you like. Great. All right. Well, I was actually curious. Uh, when is Fat Man Little Trail, the book, uh, going to make an appearance? Uh, I'm working on it. So I put together, I, I started this second um, website called 13 Hikes. And it's a, it's a website to try to encourage people to get out and, um, you know, people that aren't typically going to be able to do the hike a week or that might be intimidating for them. With 13 Hikes, it's to try to just do one hike a month just to really kind of get them out and realize how, how wonderful nature can be. And with that, I took uh, a lot of the writing that I did and I combined it into a book called Getting Started Tips, where I interviewed a bunch of um, I interviewed dietitians and physical therapists and um, meteorologists and uh, like Osprey for backpacks and Keen for shoes and Solomon for clothing. Um, so I interviewed all these experts to just kind of give their expert opinion. And, and I turned that into an ebook, my first ebook, which is uh, it's on Amazon. I had zero sales so far. It's been on Amazon for about a week now. Uh, and, and it's, it's more so I just wanted to get that information out to people and encourage them to do it. But in that process, I realized that I've written a lot over the last uh, few years. I think I'm up to like 450 posts on my website and like almost 800,000 words or something like that. And I have a lot of content and probably enough to turn into a book. So I am slowly working on uh, Fat Man's Ramblings. Nope. Sorry, that's the non-working title. The working title is Screw It, I'm Trying, uh, A Fat Man's Journey into the Mountains, where I combine kind of a lot of the, uh, the Fat Man's Rambling posts that I do on the website into a, into a book format so that, uh, you know, and expand on them a little bit. And I'm hoping to get that done maybe in the winter when I slow down with the hiking a little bit and start working on that and have it hopefully out for next year. I think that would be, that would be fun. So how do we find your book on Amazon? Um, the best way is to search uh, Greg Sackowitz. Uh, like I said, if you search like hiking tips, you get about 15,000, 15 million things. Um, but the ebook is available on Amazon. You can also get it on the 13 hikes website. So you can get, it's not a, an Amazon version, but it's a downloadable version of the ebook on 13 hikes, um, as well. Uh, 
it's it's interesting it's such a process because it, it's so you think it's so scary to write a book until you realize that like you've already done most of the work it's just compiling at a certain point and that's what uh I'm, I'm hoping that maybe i can can pull that off and it seems like the way you printed out this book and this book is gorgeous this is such a professionally done book everybody check it out on amazon table to trail plant-based portable i can't say table to trail no 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 i get i get lost table to trail plant-based portable recipes for day hikers search marty cowan is it cowan cohen it's it's cowan um but i'll gladly answer to either way marty cowan c-o-w-a-n search that on and marty m-a-r-t-y um search that on amazon and you'll find the book i'm gonna say it one more time just for fun table to trail <laughs> table to trail table to trail the plant-based portable recipes for day hikers i got it right three times in a row i think yeah. that's all i can um, i hijacked your question did you have any other questions for the fat for the ask the fat man segment i did have one more i just sure. thought is there any particular stories um maybe from your um your 13 13- challenge experience that really resonate with you and keep you motivated to keep doing what you're doing? Um, I go back to the first story that I, that I did actually. Um, and I don't know if I'm, I'm thinking about this, right. But the first blog that I really wrote that actually got popular was called screw it. I'm trying. And it be, and it turned into my man, my mantra for all of my hikes. So I was always a person who was going to sit on the couch and just be happy sitting on the couch and and get fat and lazy and and go to work and then come home and just go right down to the couch again. And then I decided to go out and start hiking. And instead of saying no to everything that was presented to me, like, do you want to go hike? No, no, I can't. I have to sit on the couch. You know, do you think you can do that mountain? No, 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 I can't. You know, now I've kind of taken to the approach of just screw it. I'm trying. And the blog itself is the five stages of, of, um, grief, but instead of for grief, it's the five stages of hiking for an overweight, out of shape person who started hiking. So, you know, part of it is, and I actually have it right here. So like the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression. So like the bargaining stage is dear Jesus, Muhammad Ganesh, Guy, a little elf dude that lives in the trees and makes cookies or whoever's in charge of this, please no more ups. I can deal with flats. I can deal with flat and rocky and flat and sandy. I can deal with down. I like down. Gravity finally is on my side when I go down. So it's kind of a blog of just like looking at it from, you know, a person who's trying and they know they're not really succeeding, but they're going to keep trying anyways, because they're having, uh, they're enjoying themselves for the first time in a long time. And that's what, what screw it I'm trying is to me now. So it's like, uh, Last year, I decided to go out to to Arizona and Utah on road trips. And I was like sitting and planning them out. And I was like, well, I can't do all this. This is crazy. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm trying. And I decided to go. And um, it's just, it really kind of just keeps me motivated and going. Like on days I wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, my legs are a bit sore because I hiked yesterday too. Do I really want to go out today? And then I just kind of think to myself, well, screw it. I'm trying. And I get out of bed and I throw the, the hiking clothes on and grab the poles and pack the backpack and out the door I go and I, I give it another shot. So I don't know if that answered the question exactly as you were asking it, but. Yeah, and you also gave us a mantra too uh, that I believe so many can resonate with. Um, I never thought about screw it. I'm trying being a mantra, but it's perfect. Well, uh, yeah, I don't try to do things traditionally. I try to do them as opposite as you can. 
and still get the same results. But um, it's worked for me because, you know, there's a certain point, I think you have to be honest with yourself with it as well, where, you know, if you're polite to yourself, you're not always going to get the results. So, you know, my attitude was no, but I didn't have a reason for no. So like, if you're asking somebody and they say no right away, you just come on. Okay. Screw it. I'm trying, you know, and you just, it had the same, it had the same power or more power than the immediate no that I would say when somebody asked if I wanted to do something, or if I asked myself if I wanted to do something. So I think it, it just kind of worked out for me. And it works really well. I could, I could, I may have to borrow that, especially when I'm like huffing and puffing. I feel like my heart is going to pound outside of my chest from, you know, elevation gain and steep, you know, uh, steep inclines and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's great to just say, Hey, screw it. I'm trying doing the best. Well, and when you get like halfway up and you're leaning against a tree and you're about to quit, that's the best time to do it. And it's usually on the exhale. You go, (gasps) screw it. I'm trying. And then you just move on up the hill, you know, that's that's how I I do it. Yeah. I kind of, I did the Manitou incline last summer for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think I used a variation of your mantra on that and it was so hot and horrible, but I I actually had a conversation with someone today and they were telling me I had to do the Manitou incline. And I just, I I have no desire to do that. For those of you not in Colorado, the Manitou incline is basically a staircase that goes up. What is it like 3000 feet in elevation or something like that? Yeah, it's, um, it's 0.88 miles. So it's less than a mile and 2000 feet of elevation gain. Um, and it's brutal, especially in hot weather. (laughs) Yeah. And it just like, to me, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound interesting to me. Like I know that like a lot of people do it, but the only, like, let me ask you this. Why, why did you do the incline? Well, my husband and son were, uh, biking down. I drove them up to the top of Pike's peak and so I had to wait for them to come down. So I parked um, down at the base of Manitou Incline and, and did that just to kill time. And uh, it was actually really fun. And I, this other woman I met, she was from Minnesota and I kept going, come on, Minnesota, you got this. So we were kind of um, supporting each other on the way and we both made it stop. And she said to me, she said, I never would have done it without you. And I said, vice versa. Right back uh-huh. at you. So That's awesome. Yeah. Like, Everybody I hear that when you, they say they did the incline, they're like, it was horrible. It was the worst experience of my entire life. I loved it, you know, but they, it's more of like, you want to say you did the incline than actually doing the incline. Um, yeah. yeah, I would do it again, but probably in a little cooler weather, that would be preferable. Sure. And it's something that, you know, I want to do for the website and for the experience, but it's not, I'm not looking forward to it in, in the least. And I'm, I, that's the one thing that screwed I'm trying has not worked out for yet. Partially because there's so many like other really cool hikes in that area that aren't as crowded and you can just really enjoy yourself down in the Colorado Springs area. Um, yeah. Also, for those of you listening, if you are just think you're going to come and do the incline right now, they have gone back to a ticketing system, I believe. So I think you need the tickets uh, in advance before you can get into the parking area and before you can hike the incline. So make sure that you um, check that out as well. Reservations, which actually I knew the parking reservation, which is probably first and foremost, but the actual reservation to do the incline, I have um, for some reason I couldn't find it. And we were late. I was I'm screwed. I'm trying. I'm going to go. And I had a $20 bill in my pocket in case they tried to turn me away um, mm-hmm. to, for a little bribery if needed. I just thought I'm out here um, and I need I need to kill time. So 
uh, it worked out perfectly. Actually, I finished about 15 minutes before my husband and son biked down Pikes Peak. Well, very cool. Marty, I forgot that we were doing a podcast and we're just two hikers jamming right now, which is just as fun, but we should probably wrap it up here for, for everyone at home. I am going to say it one more time, just to make sure table to trail plant-based portable recipes for day hikers. The book by Marty Cowan is now available on Amazon and at select stores in Fort Collins. Thank you so much for joining me, Marty. Thank you so much. It was a great experience. I sure appreciate it. I had so much fun and I learned so much and I'm about to go cook a bunch of these recipes. So thank you so much. Uh, That is all the time we have for the podcast this week. Thanks again to my guest, Marty, for joining us and check out her book on Amazon. I hope to see you all on a trail again really soon. And until then, happy hiking.